Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Amin Ram Mashariki, Esri Urban Analytics Lead and your host for today. Few would argue that the ability to predict the future could make a business grow, but who has a crystal ball? Our first guest has proof that something like clairvoyance is attainable with prescriptive analytics. Senior Director of Process Management at UPS, Jack Levis, tells the story of a product that infuses business wisdom throughout the Fortune 50 company. Here, Esri CMO Mariana Cantor dive deep into a story of prescriptive analytics in action. Jack, thank you so much for joining us on this podcast. I would like to actually begin with your industry, the logistics industry, and understand from your perspective sort of what's happening to the industry, uh, where it's been, where it's going, how it's changing, especially in the light of this digital transformation age. Well, first of all, it, it's, it's great to talk to you and it's great to talk about uh, my industry and UPS. It's a passion of mine. Um, you know, it used to be pick up and deliver a package. And it used to be when I started over 40 years ago, getting a package cross country in five or six days was a miracle. People just expect that nowadays. Um, nowadays, people want their delivery experience, where they want it, how they want it, when they want it, they want options. Um, and with the transformation, with the digital age, packages where we might have had you know, five shirts going to a business, now those are five deliveries to consumers. And that's changed things. Consumers want their delivery experience as they want it. They may want it on the back door, they may want it held for a day. So that's changed the world. And um, you know, it used to be about delivery, now it really is about logistics. We're a logistics company of moving goods and commerce and helping others do better. And, and that's what's happened in the world. And, it's expected nowadays the delivery is going to be there. That's expected. You now have to do it as the customer wants. And frankly, we've used operations technology and analytics to allow us to serve customers as they want to be served while also keeping our operations efficient. Right. And we can get into a few specific examples at UPS, but I'd like our listeners to understand the scale, the massive scope of what UPS does. Um, as I understand, you deliver more than 15 million packages a day to close to 8 million customers in over 220 countries. That's just staggering. Um, so how do you do that? Is there a magic wand? I wish it was that simple. We have one single integrated network. And a network, um, like a social network, means there's options. So we have many, many hubs where packages can go, many options to get packages from origin to destination. And that network is our strength. We manage that network to make sure that packages leave on time and get to the destination as the customers want. You know, we measure every single package every single day. And if a delivery is late by one minute, our systems will flag it. We consider that a service failure. One minute is what we do. And it takes um, engineering skills, it takes um, operational skills, it takes accountability. Um, our CEO said that if we didn't have operations research, we'd be analyzing our business intuitively only, and we'd miss opportunities for growth and opportunities for efficiency. That was in 1948. That is the culture of our company. 
constant improvement, constant innovation. So it's not a magic wand. It might look like it, but it came from decades of hard work. You mentioned uh, that you have this virtual network that you optimize continuously, but your business is very physical, right? There is deliveries on the ground every day at the scale we mentioned. Could you talk about how these two worlds, the digital and the physical, interact? Thank you for bringing that up. That's, a, that's something I love to talk about, and it's hard for me to describe. You know, some people are talking about a digital twin. I like that concept. Well, to me, a virtual network and a digital, digital twin are similar things. Um, you have this digital twin of the network that describes your business, in this case, UPS. Where are the goods? Where are they going? Where should they go? Why do they need to go there? And this digital twin of the business gives you a chance to simulate the future and make future-looking decisions. But then there's a physical network that has to stay in sync with this virtual twin. You have to stay in sync. So you have to have some way to communicate from the virtual to the physical. I think this is an important distinction. Predictive analytics requires a data model, that digital twin, that virtual network, a forward-looking model that can simulate what's going to happen in the future if I do something. Too often people talk about, well, I know where every package is. Well, that's tracking. That doesn't help me with what's going to happen. So the data model or the digital twin or the virtual network is what's important. Once you have that, you can flip a bit and change the future. That's the piece of being forward-looking. Tracking is 1990s technology. Today, when we touch a package, it's a chance to connect to a customer. A customer can say, this is what I want to happen with my delivery experience. When we scan that package, we're connected through our virtual network to our customers, and we can connect with them. We can turn on a dime based on what they want. Um, we call it being a one-to-one -one business. We want to, in the days today, where we're delivering 15 or 16 million packages today, to act like a mom and pop, to make each customer think that they're the only one we have. That's what we're trying to do. And we're doing it through technology, analytics, um, and this virtual network. Right. And you mentioned um, analytics. So could you maybe talk a little bit more about the spatial analytics and location intelligence and how it's contributing to this sort of wave? Sure. So if you don't mind, let's back up a step. Analytics, let's just simplify it. Three forms. Descriptive analytics. That says what's happened. You know, you get a idea of what's going on, you may be able to fix problems, you'll take care of low-hanging fruit, you'll take care of things that are obvious. Um, but until you start looking forward, now you can make larger changes. Predictive analytics says what's going to happen, and prescriptive or optimization type of analytics says what should we do. And analytics is about insight. It's about insight into data for making better decisions. So. Seeing things spatially gives you insight. I could see a text list and see that there's problems in um, different um, cities, but unless you see it geographically, that insight may be lost. The key, though, is analytics and insight is about the better decision. So you need to think through that in the term of the decision you're going to make. And, and you use spatial analysis or analytics or any of those type of tools to help you make a decision. 
Research says that when you move through this continuum from descriptive to predictive to prescriptive analytics, your business benefits will grow. That's exactly what we've seen. And the key for executives, don't let your vision end at descriptive analytics. Don't let it stop as to what's happening now. Our vision has to be forward looking. You know, analytics is about going from data to um, information, to knowledge, to wisdom. And prescriptive analytics starts getting you to wisdom. And, and you know, people want to go from data to information to knowledge to wisdom. Don't let your vision end at wisdom. Clairvoyance. I want a clairvoyance system. If we can be so smart that we predict a problem is going to occur and solve it before people even know something's wrong, aren't we going to look clairvoyant? We'll look like Sherlock Holmes. That's where we want to head to. Another interesting question is around where decisions are made to deliver this optimal service. Your network is optimized overall on an ongoing basis, but you also allow your drivers to make these micro decisions on the ground. So how does that work? Maybe one day the computers are going to be so smart that they'll make perfect decisions. But what we've found is that the computer by itself and the human by themselves is not as good as the two talking to each other and working together. So we like to tell our drivers, here's how we think your route should be delivered. We want our drivers to change that based on what they see with their feet on the ground in the real world. And when the day's done, we can ask, why did you make that decision? But let the computer and the drivers help. And what that did is for the very first time, we could objectively make these subjective decisions. Well, if we can live with a little bit more inconsistency, we can save a little bit more money. That's how the optimizer works. And um, you know, that's the beauty of what we've done. And that's why we've been able to implement this with 55,000 drivers. Impressive indeed. I want to talk about how you use location intelligence and maps in, in, in this business and whether they're there's a difference in the quality of the maps that you rely on. You know, we've all used a GPS system that gets us ineffectively to a point, and that might be annoying to us in our personal vehicles, but you take a bad piece of data and give it to an optimizer, and it um, jumps off that bad piece of data and makes another bad decision and another bad decision and another one. So we've determined that we had to have maps that were more accurate than any other maps in the world. And we um, did that through our own data. We have telematics on every vehicle. We have GPS, multiple GPSs on a vehicle. And we use that to help us create maps that were more accurate than any. That led to optimizations that were more accurate, that could actually make decisions um, and think like a person. In addition, that um, location intelligence gave insight when an operator was looking at a screen they now had better insight into how a map would work. So it was twofold. The, the um, location intelligence is needed so an optimizer can make a good decision. But then to the human, getting the insight from the map was also important. And it also, to tell you the truth, it gave confidence to people. When they could look at it and they could see the little dot as to where UPS says the map, is, uh, the delivery point is, they said, that's pretty good. I feel confident. Um, you know, at uh, Christmas time, our um, deliveries grow about double. I mean, it, it's, it's in, incredible. And we have a little tablet 
and the tablet has a little um, Orion navigation system on it. And when somebody's going to an area that they've never delivered before, sometimes we send people to other cities because we need to help out during Christmas. Um, the supervisors say, I'm bringing my tablet with my Orion maps on it, and they will deliver an area in a whole different state than they've ever been using Orion and using the navigation from the maps, and they can deliver very effectively. So you bring up Orion. Uh, what is Orion? Thank you. Orion stands for On-Road Integrated Optimization and Navigation. What it does is a very simple idea. Take all the deliveries and pickups that a driver needs to make for the day. Understand the customer needs. Some packages need to be there at 10.30. Some need to be there at noon. Some uh, customers have specific contracts. We have to be there at certain times. Um, it knows that there's commercial customers versus residential customers. And it also knows there's union rules and, and UPS business rules. And from a driver's perspective, all it does is sort the list of deliveries into a very specific order into how they should do it today. Some people call this a traveling salesman problem or a traveling salesman problem with time windows. It's not. It's a whole different ball game because it takes consistency into account and risk into account when it makes the decisions. But what it does is it looks at ways to deliver that are counterintuitive, which is what happens when you get into prescriptive analytics or optimizations. The optimizer will do things that are counterintuitive that humans wouldn't think about. Right. Counterintuitive, but efficient. It sounds like a magic wand to me. Well, I'll tell you, I'd like it for my chores on a Saturday. If I could, if I could put everything I have to do on a weekend in there and have it say, here's how to make your deliveries or, or run your errands, I would love it. You know what I realized um, is that we didn't share what the outcomes of Orion are. What are the what is the value, both um, economic and environmental? So even that, let me back up a step. Um, the culture at UPS is look at little things. If you watch pennies, dollars will take care of themselves. You don't have to make a huge change to make a huge impact. If we can reduce just one mile per driver per day, that's worth about $50 million at the end of the year. So we just focused on the little things. When the day was done, Orion ended up reducing overall 100 million miles driven a year. That ended up to be between 350 and 400 million dollars a year. And we kept service, we added new services for customers. We didn't have an or, we had an and. Orion um, gave us it all. It's, it's truly changed the company and we're not done. We have a lot more that we're going to do. There, there is um, an interesting, I think, conversation for us to have a little bit about your transformation journey around Orion. How long has it taken from conception to this value realization? Orion was 10 years in the making. It started um, from a concept of combinations and a concept of complexity. And when you think about how many ways there are to do things, um, there was insight for me with my um, analytics team that a UPS driver has so many options in running their route. In fact, there's more ways a UPS driver can run their route than the number of nanoseconds the Earth's ever been in existence. And that led us to say, can humans really think through all of these different options? Can they think through it? Is there a better way to do the job that we've never thought about? And that was uh, early 2003. Um, by 
2007, we were still having trouble getting this optimizer complete and making it think like a human. Um, and then we, sometime in 2007, had a breakthrough. We rethought the delivery process. We tested it many times, and we finally deployed it in 2012. So about 10 years in the making. We had to first build the optimizer. We got that finally done. We tested 11 different times, testing, um, does it really work? Does it work in different geographies? Does it work in different management types? We tr how are we going to measure this? How are we going to train? So 10 years from concept to deployment. And um, the good news is we changed our estimate of the gains we were going to get three different times. And each time we said there's more to gain than we thought. We had to truly understand how to change an organization. We communicated and communicated and communicated to the field and we trained and we trained and we trained. We had to change conversations. If you keep talking about the same things you always did, then these tools are flavors of the month. So we had to change what people talked about in the morning. And we did that through new metrics. So we gave the front line new metrics to look at to run their business. And these were leading indicators. We didn't measure them on um, are you saving money? We said, are you maintaining your data? Are you overriding the system? Are you constraining the system? Are you planning well? And are you following the solution? Those are things they can control. And if they could control those things and, and do them well, how could we not get the lagging indicators of the dollars saved? So their conversations in the morning changed and people are competitive and they wanted to be higher on that balanced scorecard. And we'd find they'd improve on the balanced scorecard and the lagging indicators of dollars saved would be there. This is not a system. This is a new way to operate for UPS. And this is what UPS does. You know, we're always looking ahead. Jack, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the first Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. As you'll hear in our upcoming interviews, leading companies in many industries have begun merging location power technology, spatial analytics, and real-time data to strengthen operations and drive business growth. To learn more, download our ebook, Making Sense of Digital Transformation, at esri.com forward slash where. To keep current with new interviews, visit our podcast page at esri.com forward slash podcast.